0: So we're going to jump back into this. So last week we established that 1 Peter 5.10 is our main scripture. And thank you, Vanessa, for volunteering back there to do the slides. So I might embarrass her and be like, that's the wrong one. But, but she's volunteering. So she's first time, all right, Or second time. It's her second time. So 1 Peter 5.10. And it says this. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. you, To establish in this context means to provide a strong base for practice or belief. So I want to take us into the book of James, chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. And if you you look on Instagram, you can hit the link. It'll take you all the notes. If you have a Bible, you can go there. iPad, iPhone, Nokia, Blackberry, whatever you got. James 5, 7 through 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I want to look at a figure in the Bible a leader, his name was Moses. I think all of us know of Moses or have heard about him. Moses and Pharaoh, he led God's people out of slavery and how God did such a miracle with him and his leadership. Now, the shocking thing is this. Moses killed a guy. Most people, they read that in the Bible and they just kind of keep going past it. But Moses, in the Bible, there's an account and a record that he killed a man. There is no uh, a soft way of putting it. It wasn't an accident. It says that he went out and killed a guy. And we read that, and then we read about all that God did with him anyway. In that, in that God can still use somebody, right, that is messed up horribly. God can still take somebody and, and take them through a season of change and bring them out to a place where God can use them. So we read about Moses and all that happened in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. Specifically, this is what I want to read because this is, this is something that is, is bypassed a lot of times from Christians. We read about, you know, heroes or people that are, God has used really well and we think they were perfect. But in Exodus chapter 2, 11 through 12, it says, Many years later when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. And he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. We call that murder. Okay, we call that murder. They, people go to prisons for life. Okay, that's, that's, it was a horrible thing. There's nothing nice or good about that. We read about that in the Bible, but we understand this. Imperfection is not what keeps us from being used by God. Imperfection is not what keeps us from being used by God. It is the inability to move away from what keeps us imperfect. See, we read about Moses. This is in the Bible that he killed a man, but God still uses him years later. But what happened is he moved away. He he literally was not a murderer in his identity. Because that's what happens. We mess up. We become, that becomes our identity. You know, and so Moses moves away. And Moses suffered from a vicious identity crisis. This is, you read about Moses. The more you read about him, the more you read, he was a deeply flawed man that had a lot of issues. (laughs) Um, Moses suffered from a vicious identity crisis in such a way he was raised in a palace, but he was a native slave. Think about that. Uh, You know, someone grows up in Bill Gates' house and realizes they were part of the help. You know, like, they, they weren't part of Bill Gates' family. They were part of the help. This was the identity crisis that Moses has. He was a ruler, but his identity wasn't rooted there. He was the perfect one that God used to lead because he became rooted and established in what God asked of him. See, the thing is this. We get established in what God wants to use us with. That's, that's the healthy perspective, meaning this, I am a servant of God more than anything else. More than a flawed person, a failed person, a broken person. All that stuff could be true, and at one point, it is the definition of who we are, but we move, God takes us, and we move away from that. We're not defined by it anymore, and the definition is, I am a servant of God. Being established is the reference to the ongoing inner working of replacing all the bad in our lives with the goodness of God. That's what being established is. Where God's taking all the things that we're broken with and he's replacing it with the goodness of who he is. See, as a human, in our, in our human perspective, everything we do as a person, it is normal to, well, not, it shouldn't be normal, but it's normal to have a grudge, right? Our judgment of people, they did that to me, so forever, they are, they are that person. Now, there are some things that we've talked about before. We forgive, but we put boundaries, right? There's, there's healthy boundaries where we don't let people who have violated us back into a place that is uh, sacred or, or emotionally accessible for us. We put boundaries, healthy boundaries, to say I forgive them, but they're no longer allowed in this place with me, okay? So when I'm saying this, I'm saying what happens is this, it's our human nature that, let's just say, we're not going that deep with real trauma and real ongoing issues or real abuse or, or psychological issues. We're not talking about that. We're talking about someone cuts you off in traffic, right? And you pull up to the same place, right? The thought in your head, I could key their car, (laughs) pop their tire. You know, they cut me off on the freeway. And we hold that grudge because it's a natural reaction that they violated. You know, they, they did something they weren't supposed to do. So they deserve any, you know, hurt or punishment I can give them. That's the reaction. That's our normal human nature. And so what happens is God takes us and he helps us establish what forgiveness is. What, what it means to say, I can let that go. It's not that big of a deal. You know, they didn't hit my car. We're both safe. They got where they needed to be. I got where I needed to be. God has given me patience. He's given me, you know, joy. They're not going to take that from me. So God takes us from that place of, you know, we pulled the key out or whatever you're going to do to the car. And he takes us and we're like, hey, man, I'm glad they got where they needed to be. <laughs> and that's hard. It's, it's a whole journey. But I want to talk about this this person, um, uh, not a perfect person, but her name was Amy Semple McPherson. Amy Semple McPherson. In 1926, up to 10% of the population in Los Angeles held membership at Angeles Temple. I just want to stop there. 10% of the city held membership at their church. Movie studios, we're talking all the big names that were around in that year, 1926. Warner Brothers, Paramount, I believe there's a few others. They competed to offer contracts to the church. It was, it was a world that was upside down. You know, like, the, the movie studios wanted to be around this church and learn from them and do projects with them. They competed. They literally had contract battles. Like, we'll give it to you for this much. No, we'll give it to you for this much. And, and you had this church called Angelus Temple, where 10% of the population of Los Angeles, think about that. 10% of the population were members of that church. Uh, Amy McPherson believed that film had the potential to transform Christianity. She explored Hollywood culture and appeared in newsreels alongside names like, these These are unknown names to me, except for one, Mary Pickford, Francis Perkins, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So she was a pastor of a church, and the church was so well known that she was appearing on TV with celebrities, and it was quite common. It wasn't abnormal. It was like, oh yeah, Franklin Roosevelt, and. Amy McPherson, the pastor of that church, you know, like it was completely normal. This is how impactful and influential this ministry was. McPherson pioneered the use of broadcast mass media. Okay? So no one else, she is the first one that as a church utilized the radio. That she was the first one. Okay? In all of America, I think it was North America. I think they were the first one. In April of 1922, she became the first woman to preach a sermon wirelessly. <laughs> like, she, innovative, you know, progressive, like technology. Like, it was like embracing all the things that were available. And they opened uh, the Foursquare Gospel-owned KFSG in 1924. She became the second woman in American history to be granted a broadcast license by the Department of Commerce, which supervised broadcasting at the time. And this is a pastor of a church. The second woman in U.S. history is she's given a broadcast license okay, from the Department of Commerce in 1924. And I, you read the history, you read all the impact and the influence and the, and the areas she connected with it and, and the people she talked to, the places she went. It was all so like on such a huge level of like. Um, Like, you would think like Kanye, you know, in in a modern uh, contemporary context, you'd be like, you know, it's a Kardashian type of level of they know the name. They know who she is. They know Kanye is, right? They know Kobe is. They know who this pastor Amy McPherson was. That's how well known she was. There was an actor uh, from silent movies by the name of Charlie Chaplin. He was irreligious. He didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in church and he would secretly attend her services. So much so that at one point, they started talking and developed a friendship. And he went in to learn how she did her uh, uh, presentations. They were, she was so out of the box, inspirational, that Charlie Chaplin goes in to learn from them. And, and he goes on, they, they have connection, they talk, and, and she helps him in, in what, the stuff he's doing. She, he helps her in the stuff that she's doing. And this is someone that just started going to the church because they were like, wow, they're doing a really good job. Amy was established in her relationship with God. That's the bottom line. You cannot have impact, you cannot have influence, you cannot have real effect with people unless you have an established relationship with God. Because all of that stuff is, is so vain. It's, it's, they want to use you. They want to use your name. Okay? Can you imagine believing God for a ministry that Im- impacts 10% of the population of Los Angeles? I always joke with people when they say, how big is L.A.? And I think the last count was five point something million. And I realized that's the ones that that we know of. <laughs> that's the ones we know. Of. That's the truth. Five point something million. Okay. And 10% of that impact. Think about that. Think about how big that is. That's massive. this is what happens when you are established in God you think beyond your ability you think beyond your possibility in Detroit in 1943 there were race riots so you know the whole racial thing is nothing new there were race riots and they were literally killing each other in these in Detroit 1943 and and while she was ministering she preached to uh, heavyweight champion Jack Johnson and he gives his life to the Lord, and she brings him up, and she's a white woman, and she hugs this black heavyweight champion boxer on stage and says, like, welcome, you're a Christian now, praise God, you're my brother, during the race riots. So this was somebody that, that used everything they had to just forward the gospel, to be a Christian. It says that enrollment grew to over 10,000, and Angelus Temple was advertised as the largest single Christian congregation in the world. Okay? According to church records, the temple received 40 million visitors within the first seven years. And I think I got, um, uh, can you show the first picture, the older one? They should be in order. Okay. Well, that's like, that's fine. But that's, that's, the, that's the same church, okay? Go to the black and white one. Yeah, so that's Angela's Temple. This is literally in downtown LA right now in Echo Park. Okay? And then that's the newer picture. You can show the newer one. Right? So, McPherson did something that was counter-cultural in the time. She racially integrated her meetings. It was still segregation all throughout the USA. So she was bringing in black people, white people, Mexican people, Asian people into the same meeting. On one occasion, as a response to integration, Ku Klux Klan members were in attendance. They went to the service, but after the service, their hoods and robes were found on the ground nearby. They went into a service as Ku Klux Klan members and left, leaving that group. Amen. Okay, she's also credited with helping Hispanic ministries in Los Angeles. Okay, quite common. It was quite common. This is this right. You read about this, and at the time it was it was so abnormal, it was it was different. But you would see someone like Babe Ruth in the newspaper, okay? And then you would see Amy Semple McPherson in those publications, right next to each other. Babe Ruth, Amy McPherson. They were both famous, well-known names. In Proverbs sixteen nine, ESV, Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, As The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Okay. There was a lot of plans that Amy McPherson had. When you read about her early life, her whole goal was actually to be a missionary to China. And while we'll, more about that, she never wanted to be in L.A. Her whole heart was, I'm going to go be a missionary in China. And, and she had plans. And we read about this scripture, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. But we see the steps that she took. And we can say this, I'd rather have God establish my steps than me establish my steps. And I'm not saying to plan. I believe in planning. You should have a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 20, 30. You should plan your life out. Get it done. You know, make, a, make a plan. Make a goal. Achieve. Do what you can do. But allow the Lord to really establish the step. To say, Lord, this is my plan, but I want you in this. I don't want to do something outside of what you want me doing. I want to be part of what you're doing, Lord. So you read about that, right? In 1996, you you hear about all the all the, the history of Amy McPherson and and the Angelus Temple and, and what it looks like and in 1996 there's a there's a picture of a hospital or yeah it's a kind of zoomed out view if you put that one up um, in 1996 the old Queen of Angels Hospital in Echo Park was purchased by the same church. Uh, it's a color one. That one right there. So this was an old hospital, okay? So it was purchased by the church that Amy McPherson started. What they did was they turned it into a center, a social center for homeless, prostitutes, and members of street gangs. Dream Center. It's called the Los Angeles Dream Center. And so you see all these things that come out of this person's desire to say, Lord, I want to do everything you have. I want, to, I want to serve. I want to be in the right places at the right times to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And again, uh, she, in this position as a leader of a church, was at that time in, in the social setting, in especially the cultural significance of how the church ran, a woman leading a church was like, that's not allowed. So it was like God was using this thing that people were like, you can't do that. That's not allowed. You shouldn't be doing this. And God was taking it and doing this huge thing that all these other pastors was like, man, what the heck? Like, You know, it was crazy. And God used it. Yes, amen. In, a, in a pastor's meeting with some local pastors, Tommy Barnett, he's the father and one of the founders of the Dream Center that made that purchase. He told local pastors in Los Angeles, he said, think bigger. And I think every single one of us were like, how do you think bigger than buying a hospital <laughs> and, you know, having this huge center in Los Angeles? How do you think bigger than that? We're talking multi-million-dollar projects, you know, project managers, you know, left to right, everything going on. And it's such a huge project. And he tells all the pastors, think bigger. <laughs> That's like his one piece of advice. And when I think about that, I think of us, as we move forward in our Christian faith, there's some areas where we just, we have a smaller mindset, and God says, think a little bigger. One pastor said this, when they were starting some small groups, uh, they, they said, his team came to he goes, my team came to me and said, we want to start these, these small groups. And he says, okay, what, what are you thinking? They're thinking, oh, we want to aim really big. We want to aim for 50. And he was like, man, that's, that's huge. Let's aim for 500. <laughs> and they were like, what? We, we only made plans for 50. Like, we have that, those, everything planned for 50. And he was like, yeah, but if you could think of how to do it with 50, then we need to think bigger in how maybe God will provide us a way to get to 500. So I think they capped out at 1,700 small groups. Wow. 1,700. So what I'm saying is that God establishes these steps where we think, you know, maybe God's taken you into a position or he's put you in a place, in a city, in an area with some people, and you think you're there just for whatever small task or or position or whatever. and God is, is trying to open up some doors and establish you and, and there's an area there where you have to trust him. You have to say, Lord, you put me here. Why? I don't know, but I'm going to trust you and I don't want to stay small I want to think bigger than where I'm at and that's trusting God that's that's saying man Lord I don't know I I don't let's see you know Um, some of us have not yet seen what God would want to do with us because we haven't been established in him you see the thing is this you couldn't you can't Get to a place that God wants you to be until you're established in him because then you hold everything back by saying, I can't do that. Again, we look at Moses who killed a man and God says, I want you to lead my people. Can you imagine his his response when he remembers everything he's done wrong? Lord, I can't do that. I, I did this. And, and that's what we read in scripture and we learn that God takes us. And, he, and Moses went through a season of like 40 years where God was just changing him, building him, molding him, correcting him, teaching him. And, and he went through this time and God took him into the season and he came out a different man. Uh, we're still in some sense when we haven't been established in God, we're still deciding if we want to serve him. That's what happens. Or we haven't yet become good soil. Matthew 13, 3 through 9, this is a little bit of a longer read, it says as He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they don't, didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. In chapter 13, 18 through 23, he explains this. See, we read that, it's a parable, but Jesus goes on to explain it. He says this, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Verse 20, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. There's a a positioning or a mindset of being established in God. It's a place that says, I'm going to literally be here in the sense of saying, my heart is going to be Lord, I want to know you not, not like I, there was one conversation I had one time with somebody and they were saying, you know, you got to be rooted into the church. And, and I said, that's not in the Bible. And they said, what are you talking about? You have to be rooted in the church. I said, that's not in the Bible. And I showed them scripture teaches us you have to be rooted in Christ, rooted in Christ, which in turn connects you to the church. So our position here, when we come together, is not just to be at church and and be together and everything's all fine and dandy. It's to know Jesus, to come together, to say, I want to grow. I want to get closer to him. I want to leave and go home and know him more at home. Can you imagine if Amy McPherson would have given up after her first husband died from malaria? and an infectious disease in his bowels on their first missions trip to China. That's what happened. Her and her husband moved to China to be missionaries and they both got malaria, but he got an infectious disease in his bowels that killed him. So they both went to China and only she came back pregnant. If in that moment, in her disappointment and fear, if she would have said, no, God, I can't do this. All of these events have impacted me so much that I can't can't go further. Can you imagine? None of the things that we've talked about tonight would have ever happened. Nothing. She would have been so discouraged in that first moment where her husband dies. And she has nothing. And she's coming back. And it's pregnant. And she says, God, I'm going to trust you. And this is the reality of what it looks like when people say, I want to be used by God. And they may see some you know, success or some large ministry or large thing that happens. But they don't know the steps that people took in trusting God in the beginning. See, that's where we have to be in that place to say, Lord, I'm trusting you in anything. If in that moment, you know, all of these events that impacted Los Angeles and the world would have never happened. Amy McPherson not only started a church, they started a a church planting network. It's called Foursquare. So the Foursquare churches are global. They're all over the world. Not only that, and this was in my notes, this is for free, because I found this out, and I was like, what? (laughs) Uh, She bought property in downtown LA, well, it's Hollywood. On Mount Olympus, she said, this is, this is a story. She said she had a dream, and God told her in this dream to go buy this property on this mountain. And everybody was like, she's weird, man. She's crazy. You know, like, But she went and bought this property. On that property, they put radio towers. And so all of Los Angeles, That to this day, when we receive the radio is from those towers that she bought Mm -hmm. the money that it's worth now is over 250 million and so she's not crazy no more huh had that dream you're like dang god give me that dream (laughs) so what i'm saying is that she was in this this season where it's you know this disappointment this destructive like thing that man, Lord, what's going on with my life? Everything's broken. Everything's messed up. I can't. It's so hard to see you, Lord, Holy Spirit. I don't even feel you in my home. Why did my husband die? You know, she's thinking all these things. You know, why? Why would you do this to us as a family? Uh, uh, probably thinking also, my daughter's going to grow up without a dad. You know, all these issues. And then even further, there's still things that happen in her life that I didn't even put in the notes because there's so much. <laughs> and and you read about this and you realize. There has to be an established presence to say, Lord, I am yours. What you ask of me, what you need, whatever you need, I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to say I'm your servant. And that's established belief. That's established faith. That's where we as Christians, that is our goal. Again, I don't preach healthy, wealthy. You, you you probably won't be healthy your entire life you probably will go through some issues you won't be wealthy your entire life you will go through some issues you might have wealth at some point but the reality is this that's not the goal of being a Christian that's right the goal is Jesus and Jesus alone to say I'm in relationship with my father in heaven through the blood of Jesus that died on the cross Isaiah 40 31 says this and this is one that I think all of us can. Remember, write, walk with, you know, write down and, and read it to ourselves when we're dealing with stuff. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord yes. shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Yes, There's a, there's a, a hard period or time in our life a season right that we go through and we're just like lord where are you and in that moment you read this scripture and you're reminded i just i gotta wait on god right, this is hard this is difficult i'm gonna wait on you lord because i can't make it i'm, I'm just gonna wait right here till you help me because i, I need to renew the strength